you probably don't remember how important remembering is. I think sometimes we have problems with that, just remembering. And remembering why important, why remembering things is important. Mo, my prayer today is that you will embrace just how vital remembering is to God. You see, the Old Testament is clear how essential remembering the great acts of God is to the spiritual well-being of God's children. And so I want to just take a, a moment here this morning in a way of introduction here to think about some of the times that God told his people to remember. On the night before the Exodus, when God instituted the Passover as a perpetual ceremony in Israel, God said in Exodus chapter 12 and verses 26 to 29, And it shall be when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service that you shall say, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our household. So the people bowed their heads and worshiped. So the Passover was meant to bring about a heart-driven reflection, to think about all that God had done and how he had saved the children of Israel and how all over Egypt that every household there where the blood of the, the lamb was not on the doorpost and the lintel, that there was the firstborn that, was, that had died. But the children of Israel were, were saved. And it was a time of remembering God's goodness. Later, after God thundered the Ten Commandments from Sinai and charged Israel with the Shema, uh, a special instruments to impress on, on, th on them and on their children, we come to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verses 20 to 23, and Moses went on to say, when your sons ask you in times to come, saying, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, the judgments, what the Lord our God has commanded you, then you shall say to your son, we were slaves in, of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe, against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all of its household. And then he brought us out, out of there that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore to our fathers." So again, God shows you the value of remembering the law that he had given. Later on, they crossed the Jordan River, and making a, a crucial covenant, Joshua would pile up a, a bunch of stones. Well, why did he do that? Well, Joshua chapter 4, <clears throat> verses 6 to 7 said, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in times to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? And then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and then it passed over the Jordan, and the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. 
So God wants his people to recall, to remember. And why is that? Why is it so important that we remember the things that God tells us to remember? Well, because God's children have always tended to forget the wonderful things that he has done for us. And we have that problem today as well, don't we? We, we forget the good things. When bad things are happening and, and we're struggling and we're having trials in our life, we, we forget God's blessings in our life and we need to stop and remember that God has always been faithful to us. Jesus himself changed the Passover and turned it into a remembrance of his person and work with the ordinance that we call communion, or oftentimes we call it the Lord's Supper. And so here at Fellow, the Bible Fellowship Church, we, we, we pr- practice or participate in communion on a regular basis so that each one of us would remember what Jesus has done for us. And of course, we normally read that passage of Scripture that the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often you drink it in remembrance of me. And you and I desperately need to daily remember, to daily recall, to think, to hearken back on the things God has done, to consider and, and retain and bring to our mind who Christ is and what Christ has done for us. You say, can, can we really forget who Christ is and what he's done for us? Well, obviously, sometimes we, we go through a whole day and we don't even think about Jesus. We don't think about what he's done for us. That's why it's so important that we begin our day with prayer and talking to God and reading the Bible and allowing it to begin to saturate our souls so that throughout the day that we are thinking about Christ and all that he means to us and what he has done for us. Remember who you are in Christ and what Christ has, has left you here for, what he delivered you for, and where, where you are headed forever. You know it's true. You and I struggle with remembering what God has done. And that's why the Apostle Paul says to Timothy to remember in the book of 2 Timothy. If you turn there with me this morning, we are in chapter 2 this morning of 2 Timothy, and we are are looking at verses 8 down through verse 13 this morning. I'd like to just go ahead and read our text here for us. Verse 8 begins right there with that word, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of change. But the word of God is not changed. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying. If we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So the process of remembering was on Paul's mind as he wrote this particular letter to Timothy. 
In fact, as our our mind goes back to our studies of chapter 1, Paul tells Timothy to remember not to be ashamed of Paul, not to be ashamed of the gospel that he has been called to, to guard and to protect. And now as we come to chapter 2, Paul commands Timothy to remember to live aggressively for Jesus Christ. Even under the threat of being arrested and tortured and killed for Christ, Timothy, I want you to train men. I want you to fight the good fight. I want you to to, um, uh, compete as an athlete. I want you to work as a farmer. We saw those things last week. But why should I be willing to suffer or to be attacked or to be put into jail or to die, Paul? Why should I be willing to go through what you are going through in your life? And this passage says, because Christ suffered and died for you. Remember that. And so when you remember, you can resist being ashamed. And when you remember, you're able to focus on what is most important in ministry. No matter what the cost might be, no matter, no matter what you'll go through, if you remember what Christ has done for us. And so there are times when we, we may become so, so challenged and, and, and pressed by difficulties and hardships in our life and stress and worry that, that our whole body seems to be out of whack. And we, feel the, we feel the pressure uh, physically and emotionally and spiritually. And sometimes difficulties can, can cause us to be rattled in our own thinking. You see, it's easy to forget things when we're under immense pressure and we feel the strain of the world and the, the challenges and the sorrows that we go through in our life. And so in this particular letter, Paul, was, Paul has been encouraging Timothy to remember some things. And, and, and we, we read through this in the, in the first chapter. Again, Paul, Paul is like, hey, Timothy, remember these things. Remember, remember our friendship in verse 4. And then in verse 5, remember the faith of your family, Timothy, your, your mother and your grandmother. And then verses 6 and 7, remember to stir up or to fan into flames your spiritual gifts, Timothy. And now Paul says, here's the most important thing for you to remember. Remember your faithful Savior. Remember what Christ has done for you. Never forget who Jesus is and what he has done through the power of the gospel. And so the very first word of our text today in verse 8 is remember. And so there's a, lot of, there, there's a lot of encouragement in these six verses that we're going to look at today. And so the first thing that I'd like for us to see today is be encouraged by the gospel of our Lord. So when you feel the stress and the strain of the worldly challenges and the difficulties and, and you know you're, you're, you're supposed to press on like a, a good soldier, a, a trained athlete, a hardworking farmer, but you just don't feel like you can, can take another step, be encouraged by the gospel of our Lord, Paul tells Timothy and tells us as well. Remember Jesus who he is and what he has done. And and so verse 8 there, he says, Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. 
Paul, Paul reminds us that Jesus is both man and God. He is the seed of David. In other words, he is born of the royal lineage of the great King David, and he was raised from the dead. And so he is both man of the seed of David, and God the Father raised him from the dead. He is raised in in royal majesty, and he is the rightful heir of the kingly throne, the empty tomb, but the occupied throne. Remember your faithful Savior. Don't Don't be unbelieving like Israel in the wilderness. When the going got tough, what did they do? <laughs> they, 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 they forgot God. And the psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 106 and verse 21. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. And yet we read those passages earlier that God said, don't forget, remember these things, teach them to your children, keep them before you, remember what I have done, because there will be times that will come in your life when you will have trials and you'll have stressful times and there'll be time that you'll forget my faithfulness to you and you will feel like I'm not even around, you will think that I've left you and everything is bad, remember what I've done, and yet they forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. Don't forget your Savior, who has done great things for you through, through the power of the gospel. Be encouraged by the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, Paul said, according to my gospel. I like that. I mean, think... Think of what Paul says here. I think it's so cool. Paul refers to the gospel as my gospel. This is what he taught. He lived. He breathed. This was his whole life, was the gospel. This is my gospel. Can we say that we own the gospel? Do we live our lives in such a way that the gospel is so vital to our everyday life, that we live and breathe and, and, and have our being all surrounded by the gospel. My gospel, I hope you think of the gospel as your gospel. You believe the gospel not on the authority of your, your mother or on the authority of your father or, or, or your children or whatever, but, but can you say, man, this is, this is my gospel. I mean, I own it. I live it. I breathe it. This is, this is my life since I've accepted Christ as my Savior. Every Christian must own his faith. Every one of us must, must reach a point in our Christian journey where we can say, I believe this. I mean, I, I, I learned it back when, but I believe it. This is not just the, the, the gospel. This is my gospel. This is, what I, this is what drives me every day of my life, knowing that I'm a redeemed child of God and that there's a home being prepared for me in glory and that one day when I get through this journey of life and I was faithful, I will hear God say, welcome my faithful child into my glory. You own your faith. You will live your faith. 
You will fight for your faith. You will live and die for your faith if it's your gospel, if it's your faith. In fact, you will be able to suffer and endure hardship for your faith. Referring to the gospel, Paul goes on to say that it is because of this gospel. And the first part of verse 9 there, he says, For which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. Paul's like, look at me. I'm chained. I'm chained up here like I'm an evildoer. But Paul didn't mind. He didn't mind this so much. He is always he was always encouraged by what God was doing through the power of the gospel. And by remembering he could always be encouraged by the gospel. And so he says, I, I think I, I, I think this is myself, I think it's mostly tongue in cheek when he says that he's an evildoer. I mean he says, I, I'm suffering trouble as an evildoer. Look at me, I'm a terrible person. Chained, shackled, like a common criminal. I'm in this dungeon prison waiting for Nero to, to give the command to chop my head off. But while the messenger can be chained and shackled, the word of God cannot be chained. You see that there in, in verse 1 also, that... Um, or, or verse 9 there also where he says, for, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of change. But the word of God is not chained. The word of God can never be shackled. I, I suffer even to the point of change, but the word of God is not chained. So people thought they, they, thought they could end Christianity by killing Jesus. And he rose again. You, you, you can't bind him, and the word of God can't be bound either. People thought they could end Christianity by killing the disciples, but God's word is not bound. And the more the persecution came, the, the greater the testimony became, and the, the, the further the gospel spread out. And so Paul is waiting execution at the hand of the Roman emperor Nero, but while they, they have chained the preacher of the word, the word is not chained. It's never chained. It is never bound. It is God's word. It is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper, Hebrew tells us, than any two-edged sword. And this is why we cherish the word here at Bible Fellowship. We spend a great deal of our time teaching the Word and encouraging every believer to read the Word every day. Why? Because there is power in the Word. It can't be stopped. It can't be chained. It is alive. It is powerful. It it will do its work if we take time to read it and listen to God speaking to us through the Word. The Word. It teaches us how to live. It teaches us what to value. It teaches how to order our day. The word, it gives us life. It prepares us for death. The word of God. Do you read the word? Do you read the Bible? Do you read it every day? Kind of like a, it should be like a favorite shirt or favorite pair of shoes. Put it on every day and wear it out. Someone, someone said that the Bible, uh, a Bible that's falling apart usually believes, belongs to someone who isn't, who isn't falling apart because they read the Word. The Word cannot be shackled. 
Here's another sub-point. The word must be shared. It must be shared. And, and so we share the word with others that they may be saved by it, just like we have been saved by trusting the word of God. Paul writes there in, in verse 10, he says, Therefore, because the word cannot be chained, because, because it is alive and it's powerful, therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Jesus Christ with eternal glory. Paul says, I, I, I really don't mind these chains if it means that others are going to be saved. If my imprisonment means that others will come to know Christ as their Savior, that's okay. Therefore, I endure all things. I suffer. I endure hardship, including imprisonment, including even death. I endure all for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain salvation. Now, Paul is all about sharing the word of God, sharing the gospel so that others may be saved. And it's interesting, he refers to those who will be saved as the elect there in verse 10. It's this idea of election is something that oftentimes as Christians we struggle with. The elect, who are the elect? Well, they are the ones who, who will be saved. They are the ones God has elected or God has called or chosen to salvation. We don't know, we don't know who they are until they truly trust Christ as their Savior. And they trust Christ by faith. They, they make a willing choice to believe. It's a mystery to be sure. How, how you balance th- this elect, and it's there in the scriptures is as clear as can be, and the free will of man. The choice, every man has a free will and a a choice to make. And Jesus died for whosoever will may come. And and so God, God chooses in a way that mysteriously works in harmony with our freedom of choice. And some will repent and believe the gospel. And that's why the word must be shared. That's why we have a responsibility to share the word, to tell other people about Jesus Christ, because somehow God has ordained this and works this all out that those he calls will accept him as their Lord and Savior. You see, we can't come to the Father unless he calls us. We're dead in our sins. How how can a dead person all of a sudden respond to something unless... God's Spirit draws us to Himself. And so it's, it's, it's really not our business to try to figure out if somebody's elect or not elect. That's not up to us. Nobody knows. Only God knows who's going to be saved. But if you are saved, it is because God came looking for you through the preaching of the gospel. You can thank God every day of your life for the rest of your life that he enabled you to understand the gospel and he empowered you to say yes to Jesus Christ. So election brings us to our knees in humility and gratitude. We can never earn salvation on our own. We were spiritually dead and God made us alive in Jesus Christ. So proper understanding, a biblical understanding of the doctrine election of fuels our evangelism and our missional work. 
If, if I know that God has chosen some to be saved, then I'm, I'm excited about the fact that he will use me as his messenger this week, that there are people that I will come in contact with that will, will accept Christ as their Savior, that they'll open their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. So God has, has some who will be saved right here in West Lafayette, even this week. There's some that could be saved this week. If, Am I going to do my part in sharing the gospel with them? That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus. I'm supposed to invite them. I would encourage you, if you don't have a list, to make a list of 10 unsaved people that you know and pray for those 10 unsaved people every day of your life that God would, would touch their hearts and open their hearts so that they'd be receptive to the gospel. And then as you pray for those 10 unsaved people that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that you know personally, then pray for one that you can meet with each week. And just develop a relationship, a further relationship, slowly sharing with them about Christ. And pray that one of those 10 in the month would come to trust Christ as our Savior. Could you imagine what would happen if every one of us began to pray for 10 people and each of us had one person a month that would trust Christ as our Savior? What would happen to our church? What would happen to our community? You say, well, that just seems impossible. God's heart and passion is for people to be saved. The Bible says that God would not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, I don't know how, I don't know how you balance all of that out with, with, with election and free will and all that. I don't understand that, but what I do know is that Jesus died on the cross to save people from their sins. And when people cry out to them, the Holy Spirit has drawn them to Christ. And it's my responsibility and your responsibility to share the gospel with lost people. So we are to share the gospel. So if I just sit back and say, well, God's going to save who he will, and we let someone else do the work, then we can be sure that we'll give an account for that on the day of judgment. You see, God, God ordains people to come across our path. And what do we do about it? Do we share Christ with them? Paul says in verse 10, he says there, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I don't mind enduring hardship, he says. I know God is going to save some. I'm fired up about the fact that he's using me. And so I'm just doing the great commission, what God has told us to do. When Jesus left this earth, he said, go and make disciples. Go lead people to Christ. They can cut off my head if they want. I know where I'm going. It's no big deal they cut my head off. I'll be in glory. Be encouraged by the gospel of our Lord. 
The second thing is be encouraged by the goodness of our Lord. In verses 11 to 13 there, he says, This is a faithful saying, for if we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Paul is like, listen, listen to this. What you, you want to be encouraged? Okay, listen to this, Timothy. And then Paul writes verses 11 to 13. These are encouraging words about the Lord's goodness to us. And, and, and many think that Paul is quoting from an earlier Christian hymn here, and maybe he is, we don't, we don't know for sure, but there, there is, a, is a notable symmetry in these verses, and that's why some have, uh, uh, may, maybe some of your translations here uh, have the verses are, are sort of indented, uh, like you would see in poetry, uh, indented. So, so it may be a hymn, but in, in any case, this is the word of God. God is working through Paul's writing. And so there in verse 11, this is a faithful saying, if we die with him, we shall also live with him. And, and so Paul underscores God's goodness to us in salvation. So let me just share a couple of subpoints that go along with each one of these. You see, though we have sinned, he grants forgiveness. Isn't that a glorious thought? Though we sinned, he grants forgiveness. If we have trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then our sins have been put to death in the death of Jesus Christ. So how many, how many of you are followers of Jesus Christ? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. But you know whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You know whether you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When we repent of our sins, we receive Jesus Christ by grace, through faith, and we die with him. That's what Paul's saying here. Our sins have been put to death in the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for all of our sins. I mean, think about it. All of our sins passed present and future, all of them have been covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. He pays the penalty of death. Our sins have been put to death in the death of Jesus Christ. We die with him. And so just as Christ has been raised from the dead, so we have been raised with him. Because our sins have been paid for through his death, we now have life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the goodness of our Lord. I mean, that is amazing that he would take our sins away from us. Though we have sinned, he grants forgiveness. Here's something else about the Lord's goodness. Though we suffer, he gives us a future. Though we suffer, he gives us a future. In, in verse 12 there, he says, If we endure, we shall also reign with him. So, so here's a reminder to see the big picture. You may suffer this week, but remember where you're headed. Endure hardship like a good soldier, remembering that the victory is already won. Remember your future. You are headed for an eternal city where you will reign with him for all eternity. So, so Paul means to encourage Timothy. He's like, hey, Timothy, they may, they may come and get you. 
They may put you in chains just like they have put me in chains. Endure. Press on. Keep on keeping on. Stay faithful. If you endure, you will reign with him. The same, same is true for you and I. If we endure, we shall reign with him in glory. Will you endure? Will you press on? Will you stay committed to the Lord Jesus Christ on this journey of faith, no matter what happens in our world around us? I, th- I think we're, we're heading for some, some pretty difficult days in our world. I think we can all see that happening and moving in that direction. How are we going to stand? Are we going to stand faithful? See, there, there's a little, little warning embedded here in verse 12. Paul writes then in the middle of verse 12, if we deny him, he will also deny us. If you are truly saved, you will never deny the Lord. But often we encounter folks who, who hear about people like this. They, they had said that they were followers of Jesus, but then they deny him. They turn their backs upon him, and they die as unbelievers. It's so sad in our world today, there have been so many who have been faithful, it seemed, to the, to the gospel and, and to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then all of a sudden, they turn their back on everything, and they walk away from church. They walk away from everything that they said they believe, and they, they go the opposite direction. John said they went out from us because they were never of us in the first place. God knows. We don't know. We just see people and we wonder what's going on in their life. But then sometimes we see people who all of a sudden, maybe they've lived for years not walking with God and and all of a sudden God gets a hold of their hearts and their lives are chained changed again. It's a glorious thing. So if you're truly saved, you, 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 you won't deny the Lord. Jesus warned about this in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32 and 33. He says, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father, which is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father is in heaven. So if we deny him, he will deny us. Make sure your faith is genuine. Make sure you are a true believer. Make sure you can say of the gospel, this is my gospel. I own it. I live it. I breathe it. I will die for it. I will never give up, never give in. By God's grace, I will endure. And Paul says, if we endure, we shall reign with him. Be encouraged by the goodness of our Lord. Though we have sinned, he grants forgiveness. Though we suffer, he gives us a future. And though we stumble, he is faithful. Being a Christian doesn't mean that we're perfect. And every one of us could say amen. (laughs) We're not perfect. God knows that. But he has called us to be faithful. We're not perfect, but he's called us to be faithful. And one of the most amazing truths is that while we are not always faithful as we should be, he remains faithful in spite of us. 
You see that there in verse 13? If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. I love that, that phrase there, he cannot deny himself. You know, a lot of people say, well, God can do anything. God can't do anything he wants. He cannot deny his character. He cannot deny his, his attributes. He cannot go against his attributes. He cannot deny his faithfulness. He can't change any of that. If, if he did, he wouldn't be God any longer. And so he says that if we are faithless, he's still going to be faithful to us. Paul's not talking about denying the Lord here. He's talking about our, uh, uh, turning our backs upon him in final uh, unrepentance or belief. He's not talking about that at all. He's talking about those of us who are genuine followers of Jesus Christ, endeavoring to go, grow in our love for him and faithful service. We, we don't always do as we wish. I mean, we see the Apostle Paul. He says, you know, this wretched man that I am. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't do, I find myself doing. Who's going to deliver me from this wretched man? That's the Apostle Paul. And so we don't always do as we wish. We sometimes stumble. Sometimes we sin. Sometimes we disappoint God. As a Christian, do you ever feel like you've, you've ever disappointed the Lord? <laughs> I feel like that. You ever feel faithless? I still have faith. God, I want to have faith. I, I, I want to be stronger in my faith. See, this is, this is so encouraging to me. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, which means that he's going to continue to work in us. He isn't going to stop doing the work. What's the work he's doing in us? To conform us to the image of his son so that we would be like Jesus. He's not ever going to stop no matter if we are faithless. He cannot be unfaithful. He cannot go against his very nature. Think of that. God cannot be unfaithful. And Paul ends, ends the verse this way with the words, he cannot deny himself. It's impossible. I like what, I like what Phil, uh, Philip Ryken, the way he put it, he said, he would, he would have to un-God himself to be unfaithful. Un-God himself. Our Lord would have to un-God himself to be unfaithful. It's just not possible. Aren't you glad about that? Though you may be faithless, that he remains faithful. God's love is greater than our greatest sin. And he's forgiven all of that when we accept Christ as our Savior because the blood of Jesus Christ covered it all. And so John wrote in 1 John 3, 20, he said, If our hearts condemn us, we know that God's greater than our hearts. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. I'm often faithless. I stumble, I sin, I disappoint God by failing him, and yet he remains faithful. Jesus continues to be my intercessor before the Father. He stands before the throne of God the Father, standing there for me. He is forever applying his faithful work on my behalf, forever applying the cross to me. So God the Father forever sees me in and through Jesus Christ. 
Though I am faithless, he remains faithful. God accepts me. God, God accepts you, not on the basis of our, our good efforts, not on the basis of our religious services or our performances in, in our life, not even our, our faithfulness. God accepts us on the basis of the infinitely perfect righteousness and faithfulness of our intercessor, the Son, Jesus Christ. That's why when we accept Christ as our Savior, we are forever his child, a child of God. For our Lord to do anything less would be for him to somehow ungod himself. Impossible. So be encouraged by the greatness of our Lord. Though we have sinned, he grants forgiveness. Though we suffer, he gives us a future. Though we stumble, he remains faithful. In the weeks following 9-11, after the Twin Towers crumbled to the ground, there were a lot of stories about living in New York City without the towers. And, and I mean, even, even for us that live so far away, and even after all of these years, it's still, when I see pictures of, of, of New York City, it looks empty without seeing those towers. Well, there was a taxi driver who, who was having a really hard time making his way around through the city after everything had crumbled and been cleaned up and, and all of that. It, it, was, it was usually uh, unusual because he was an experienced cab driver. But he kept getting disoriented. He kept getting lost in the city. And the reason he was having a hard time was because he, he was used to seeing those two tall buildings, the Twin Towers, and, and had been using them as a reference point to remind him of where he was at in the city. But the two buildings were gone now, so when he looked up, he did not see those two towers like he used to see before. With his reference point gone, he just kept getting lost and confused. Listen, Jesus is our reference point. Look up to him. Keep your eyes on him. We should arrange our lives around him. He is our faithful savior to whom we look And remember throughout our day, when we are tempted to go astray and and to make decisions that are contrary to the word of God, look to Jesus. Get your eyes back on Jesus. And remember that he is faithful. And unlike those tall buildings that collapse, Jesus will never fail and he'll never let you down. He will always be there. No matter how many times we fail, no matter how many times we disappoint him, no matter how many times we, we, we make a mess of our life, he is still there for us. He remains faithful. So when you start getting a little disoriented in life and you start getting a little bit confused, so, so rattled that you can't even remember your name anymore, remember Jesus. Look to him. Look to Jesus and trust in him because it's on Christ, the solid rock, that we stand. Let's pray.